Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to what I, I'm hopeful will be another exciting and interesting discussion on all things well-being. Uh, my name is Kimberly Quinn, and I am here to talk about the enemy within, which has everything to do with the very foundation of Minecraft, which is to become the boss of your brain, as thoughts come first and feelings come second and actions last, right? And so we talk about the enemy within. This is exactly what we are talking about and building up strategies and defenses to rewire your mind. So even though I talk about this stuff a lot, I try to give credit where credit is due whenever possible. And uh, uh, today my inspiration is Sarah Bumbrednik. I'm a big fan. And she's the author of Simple Abundance, which is a day book of comfort and joy. I I read this a lot when I was uh, a young mom at home. It was very helpful. Like little little, like page, page and a half things. Anyway, she starts out when we're talking about the enemy within. she, She uses a quote from Pogo. Uh, parentheses, Walt Kelly, and and he says, we have met the enemy, and he is us. You know, and it, it can sound so crazy that we're walking around with, like, a Dementor in our chest that's just trying to take us out. And obviously, as we've talked about it, thoughts come first, feelings come second. We are allowing this, though that can also be um, more, like, you know, an easier said than done. It definitely and we can be, you know, tormented by by these unconscious thoughts that are going on. And remember, we've talked about this. I actually just did a video about it earlier for the Minecraft YouTube channel about how 95 to 96% of everything we say and do on a given day is, is being driven around by our unconscious mind, which we can't even access. Think about that. Think about that. So we also have talked about thoughts. Little baby thoughts, you know, when they're all grown up, becoming beliefs. And so thoughts are the precursors to the actual hard drive stuff that resides in the vault. This is what we need to keep our eye on because this is where the enemy resides. The enemy resides in the vault where our rational cognitive thinking is not happening, especially when we're sleeping. And so these... uh, I'm going to say seemingly, because I'm not saying they are actual demons, okay? They can feel like that. Seemingly demonic thoughts trying to take us down all the ways we're not enough, all the ways we don't measure up. Um, and, and we can, and when we allow this circular hamster wheel of thought, it's very easy for that, for that to be, for those thoughts to become solidified into beliefs and become the enemy within us. I'm almost thinking of that. That horror movie, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, was that like in the 70s or 80s? I don't even remember. But it can become, you know, because what we think be- becomes us. Our Every thought that goes across our mind expands. So that enemy that's really created by us can become very, very real and dictate our lives. So Sarah starts out by saying, you know, it's hard to accept that you can be your own worst enemy. In fact, this realization is so painful that we can go that we go to great lengths to prove otherwise. It's always fate, circumstances, or lousy luck that messes up our best laid plans. I like how Sarah starts out that way because, and again, we've done some episodes sort of recently about this, where, you know, when we when we reside within our frame of authenticity, this stuff doesn't happen. Not saying with with judgment or any kind of high horse attitude because it can be easy, easy to be pulled out of our frames and into the frames of others. And when we are living outside of our frames, we also 
we're in this external space outside of our own authenticity, right? So we can start to look for the solutions to um, our so-called problems, which is really just life talking to us. But we're looking to for solutions outside of us when the answers are inside the frame. The answers are already inside of us, inside the frame, yet we're looking for them outside of our frames. And then Sarah continues. She said, when all you encounter is disappointment after disappointment as you pursue your dreams, it's natural to start feeling sorry for yourself. But if you constantly think the chips are stacked against you or that the cards are marked, pray for pray today for the courage to check out the dealer at your game of chance. I love that. Who's dealing you the cards? That's such an awesome analogy. We are dealing our own cards. That is the answer. And then Sarah says, does she seem a bit familiar? She should because you're, she is your authentic self's evil twin, the ego. We have talked about this a lot. The authentic self, when she resides in her frame, his frame, their frame, this is where the authenticity is. The ego really truly is the evil twin of your authentic, highest, truest, just highest version of yourself. And the ego can be so freaking seductive because it, it, it lures us with these feel-good, you know, quick fixes like external approval when we rescue people and people please, a disease of disease to please. And of course it feels good. It feels good to drink. Otherwise people wouldn't do it. And it's not different because when we have a soul hole that needs to be filled, a wound, you know, anywhere in the spectrum of wounds, it can be like a little cut scrape to like a gaping, you know, hemorrhage. We are trying to fill it with stuff that isn't lasting. And that is the ego. And it's why it's so freaking tempting because it's like an immediate um, removal of that, like an immediate escape, immediate numbing is a little strong to use, but it would work with trauma actually. But in that we just don't want to feel it. And so it works in, in the short term, but the half-life, the half-life is the thing is it in the end, it doesn't work at all because the ego isn't real. And that is just the deal. The authentic self, the authenticity, the authenticity we are basking in our frames is what's long lasting. You know, and then and then Sarah continues to say, uh, with saying that the ego has everything to lose once your authentic self grows strong enough to act consciously on your behalf. Amen, sister. That is so true. Guiding your creative choices, decisions, ambitions, and actions for your highest good. What was standard operating procedure before, denial, sublimation, repression, is recognized what it is. Subtle, I'm going to inject this, not so subtle self-abuse. When you become authentic, you become greater than you ever thought you could be, and this greatness allows you to heal yourself, your family, and the world. Your authentic self is your ego's worst nightmare. That is absolutely true. And the ego will do everything in its power to eliminate her rival's influence from your daily round. The way the ego goes about this is to bring out the heavy guns, fear and intimidation. Remember that this is how the ego works. The ego, the ego works and seduces us into its web by by like like uh, Sarah said, intimidation, fear, and that's all the that's all the foundation for the all the what if thinking. If you're a what if thinker, what if this? What if that? What if the promotion doesn't turn out? What if I don't ever find a partner? What if what if? That's all the ego. The ego is also looking for constant. Um, reassurance in a relationship so much so that it can become compulsive and even push somebody away. That's all the ego. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm good enough. Tell me I'm loving, uh, lovable. Tell me I'm worthy. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm okay. It makes me tired just saying it. And, and, and the kudos, 
Tell me, you know, all the awards I'm seeking. Now, again, we're not saying that it doesn't feel good for people to say nice things. Of course, it feels good to, good to get awards, maybe at work or school or whatever. The difference is the authentic self living in her, his, or their frame does not go looking for it. This is the difference. Of course, it feels good when people are kind and say nice things and how well you did with the presentation or whatever, but we don't go looking for it because we don't, we're whole and complete without it. That is the whole point. The ego thing, the ego needs it. And like I've said in other, vi in other videos and podcasts, is we don't want our needs outside of us. Because think about this. If we need something that's outside of us, we are then uncomfortable without it or even debilitated without it. Versus when those needs are on the inside, we're all set. The point here is that fear is, is really the source of a lot of our sort of mental anguish because fear is at the source, like, like we were just saying about, you know, the what if thinking, the overthinking, the catastrophizers who are similar to the what if thinkers, but the catastrophizers are sort of playing out each and every scenario for the presentation they're going to give next week or the chat with their boss are going to have and all the different ways it could go so that they can, they rehearse them so that they can be ready. And meanwhile, valuable life minutes, are just slipping away. And so uh, Sarah gets, comes back to us with, fear has derailed more dreams than we can ever know. Physical distress, a racing heart, pounding head, nervous stomach is the first assault when we edge to the perimeter of our comfort zone. It's a natural primordial instinct, a remnant of the fight or flight syndrome. I love that she has that because the fight or flight syndrome is, of course, what we've talked about a lot in Minecraft, because this is the limbic system. It's not only fear headquarters, it's emotions in general headquarters located in the midbrain. And of course, it's the amygdala who is the culprit, which also keeps us alive. So you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater per se. But the amygdala is the stinker flipping the, the threat circuit on us when we might be comfortable in our dorm room or on our couch with our partner or kids or ourselves or whatever, feeling very safe watching a movie and then the, the switch is flipped. That's the fight or flight in the amygdala. And the brain doesn't know the difference. If we're really being attacked or if we're just thinking about it. Okay. And then she continues with, but although it may feel excruciating, making a telephone call, speaking up during a business meeting or dropping off your portfolio with a prospective employer is not the same as fighting off the charge of a woolly mammoth. And she also, she also, uh, this is also very well said because the whole threat circuit thing, the anxiety uh, loop, the worry circuit, it's got all kinds of names, is very, very primal. You know, this started out when we were, you know, running away from saber-toothed tigers and ducking into caves, especially after dark, because no good things happened after dark back then, I'm sure. Lots of predators out. Not that different from today, I suppose. Yet now, we're, our brain is still in that mode, though, instead of you know, running away from a saber-toothed tiger. Oh no, I might get eaten. It's, oh no, I didn't answer that email. Oh no, I didn't get the e-invite for the holiday party. And it's 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 the same stuff happening, only in, not with the same degree of threat most often. Not always, most often. We don't have to run scared, she says. We do have to learn to recognize the physical manifestations of fear and acknowledge them. This is a good point as well, because we've talked about this with mindfulness and what we want to do when we, we, we need to get good at, hopefully, it's in our best interest to get good at noticing the physical manifestations 
of fear and also anxiety, which stems from fear, uh, and acknowledge them. Because when we do that mindfully in the present moment and with deep breathing, we and in a place of non-judgment, we say like this, big deep breath, okay, it, apparently I'm feeling anxious today. Apparently I'm feeling fearful at this moment. You know, okay, so what? Who cares? And welcome to the human race. And then these are more apt to dissipate much more quickly. And I like how also Sarah kind of differentiates between intimidation and fear. And they're obviously in the same family. I would say very close first cousins, right? Uh, she says, however, though, that intimidation works differently from naked fear. She's a shape changer capable of adopting different guises to control you. The moment you step bravely out from the bounds of your comfort zone, she's likely to rise up inside you like a lion tamer, complete with whip and chair, saying, get back. She'll scream, who do you think you are? You make a fool of yourself. You're risking your marriage and neglecting your children. Get back to your cage immediately. And I'm sure we could come up with lots more examples of this. This this is another hamster wheel of obviously negative internal you know dialogue towards the self that is stemming from intimidation. So which is also fear, but I like how Sarah distinguished this as a little bit different because it's very pointed and very deliberate, very deliberate attack, for lack of a better way to say it, on oneself. And and this is where along the Minecraft become the boss of your brain journey, it is of utmost importance to talk back to this, to question it, realizing um, that there's dialogue going on inside of you. And remember that 95 to 96% of everything we say and do is coming being directed from the vault, the unconscious. And so when these are creeping into your consciousness, as negative as it is, it, it can be helpful to look at it as a positive because when it's in the vault, we can't see, see it or acknowledge it at all. If it's starting to leak out sideways, then we can get a grip on that. Like, where is that coming from? This is when the real archaeological dig can really start to happen when we're like, okay, wow, there's some serious heavy-duty shame coming. You know, it's like erupting like a volcano where is this coming from? Why am I feeling intimidated? Why am I intimidating myself? Where are these intimidating messages from the vault coming from? What is the origin? This is very important to know because those will continue to drive what you say and do all day, every day until you question it, fact check it, talk back to it, and then shift out of it. After this, um, Sarah talks about um, how how our inner, you know, fear and intimidation dialogue is quite aware of our own buttons. After all, we're talking about ourselves, right? And there's that duality. Like, as I thought to myself, it's like the me and the other me. And the the ego part of us is very, very aware of what will snap us in half and preys on this when she is trying to get attention or he is trying to get attention or they're trying to get attention and trying to motivate us through fear, intimidation, approval-seeking, anything else. Uh, Sarah says, the worst thing about intimidation is that she knows all your buttons and just when to push them. But if she doesn't succeed with scare tactics, scare tactics, she'll kill your dreams with kindness. She's your best friend. She'll enable you to dig your own creative grave by handing you the shovel. Oh, my gosh, it's got such a, a visual for that. How, mu- how many of us can kind of understand that, that, which is exactly what we're talking about, right? The enemy is within. I just don't think 
we always get it that this is our a false self. This is not the authentic, true you. Your highest vibe self is all about supporting you as you rise to be your highest vibe self. Your highest vibe, authentic self has not a desire in the world to have you engage in fear-based thinking or to be intimidated or to scramble around sabotaging yourself. That is all the ego. And then Sarah continues. She said, she's the only one who knows how tired you really are. So she'll encourage you to take a nap instead of writing perspective letters. She understands that you just don't have much time for, for relaxation. So what's the harm of catching a soap opera in the early afternoon instead of working on your resume before the kids go home from school? Relax, she tells you. You've got plenty of time. If it doesn't get taken care of today, there's always tomorrow. So there's that procrastinator voice in us too. And she's absolutely right. Not that there isn't, you know, obviously, you know, there are exceptions. And there are times when we're not feeling well or we're, um, burnt out or overwhelmed, we actually need a, a break. But the rest of the time, which is the majority, that is the ego saying, ah, manana, don't you sit under a palm tree, you know, metaphorically speaking, with, you know, three pina coladas, it'll all happen without you. That's really not, we might want to hear that at times for sure, but that's not what we need to hear. And again, I'm not talking about the legitimate need for rest. I'm talking about how we can get in our own way, the enemy within, which is what we're talking about. Uh, which is also how we can really develop resistance to happiness. That's going to be a different podcast. When we just are on autopilot, listening to that Amanyana voice, we can, that's really, we can develop a resistance to happiness and our own success mindset. Uh, then Sarah continues. She says, the next time you're physically sick at the thought of leaving your comfort zone, calmly reassure your conscious self that the feeling of fear is passing through you it will dissipate as long as you keep on moving forward. Similar to what we just said with the, the mindfulness piece of acknowledging our discomfort from these thoughts and, and not judging ourselves. That's very important. Not, not oh, no, there goes my anxiety again. Oh, no, why am I so afraid of not, not oh, no, no, just okay. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling fearful. Who cares? Let it go. And then she says, uh, many actresses are so scared that they feel nauseous just before walking on stage, but they've learned how to transform fear into the creative energy of forward motion. They burst through to the other side of stage fright to applause. I love that analogy. Uh, so to wind up here, Sarah says, today, just begin observing your behavior pattern. And I like that she says that because we've talked about this awareness thing, right? We can't do what we don't know. However, once we become aware, we become responsible which a very good friend of mine, Dr. Dave Landers, says all the time to me. We can't do what we don't know. Think of how basic and how, how true that is. We, you obviously walk around blind to something. You can't do it. However, once we become aware of our behavior patterns, it is then on us to start talking back to them. And, and, and also, if there's some wounds there, to turn those wounds into wisdom. That's what we're talking about. So she says every a person, she says woman, I'm saying every person, even the megastars whose lives seem so glamorous uh, experiences um, ambivalence about success. One significant quality found in the people we admire that they have identified their personal patterns of self-sabotage, identified their personal patterns of self-sabotage. That is the only way it's the cycle is going to stop. If we identify it and then we are able to intervene. And then she says, and then learn to let their own best friend, their authentic self, 
Thank you very much, Sarah Von Brednick. Your own authentic self, your best friend, outsmart. I'm going to say and over and 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 also okay. She says outsmart the enemy within. I'm going to also say overpower because authentic power. There's nothing stopping you once you engage in that. So outsmart the enemy within, which is your ego, and empower your authentic self, and you can do it. And I think with this analogy and with Sarah's sort of suggestion, very insightful suggestion, I think it's also important to put out there that especially if someone is new, new onto their authentic path and journey, new into the healing process, new as far as, you know, really seeking out your very best, truest, high vibe self, to realize that, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So to, to, so to really extend ourselves patience, you know, and kindness and compassion while we start to, excuse me, work into some of this stuff. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from the beautiful northern Vermont. Have a mindful day. Mm-hmm.